0: Here's Johnny
1: That are alive, you are coming with me. Do you wanna play a game? Oh you know
0: for me, the action is the juice.
1: Donuts don't wear alligator shoe. Okay, motherfucker. This is a chopper. Welcome to this week's episode of Genre Haze, a weekly podcast exploring the weird, wild, and wonderful depths of genre filmmaking. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, and as ever, I'm joined by my pal and co-host, Stuart Garris. Howdy. This is the podcast in which we explore a wide variety of genre films, both personal favorites and first-time watches, which we'll dissect with our format of The Good, The Bad, and The What the Fuck, before rating the film with the most professional of metrics out of a six-pack of cold ones. How you doing this week, Stuart? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm
0: even better after watching the film that we're going to discuss. (laughs)
1: Yeah, man, this film, uh, this is probably the best example of I love picking films once in a while that are first time watches for either myself or yourself or both of us, because I was kind of just stumbling around on Tubi one night with nothing to watch. And this just popped up and I'd never heard of it. Immediately was like, oh, well, Kurt Russell, Ray Liotta in this psychological thriller, like I can't not throw this on. Um, And it was nice to kind of just kind of do the random to be roulette and land on something that was as good as this was. Yeah. I,
0: I had n- never heard of this movie. I'm a fan of Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta. And, uh, when it was done, I was more taken aback at just the fact that I'm surprised how little I've heard of this movie because it's a, it's a solid thriller and you have some great performance. I mean, I'm not going to go right into everything right now, but, uh, Yeah, I wouldn't expect when you go on these some of these random picks, you're like, oh, maybe there's a reason why I haven't heard of this movie. So when you stumble on one and it ends up being really good, it's it's a a pleasant treat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, for me, it was the type of thing where I was like, okay, it's typically like, okay, these are actors I'm familiar with, but that especially when you're talking about like random genre films from uh, like the early '90s. Sometimes, you know, you see people that are, you know, really well-established. They have a fan base behind them. Even me, myself, and yourself are fans of them. But sometimes those big names just get slapped onto any old projects because, you know, they were in this massive movie the summer before. And all of a sudden, they kind of just have this screenplay that's been on a shelf. And they're like, hey, let's kind of coast off of their uh, recent successes or whatnot. And thankfully, as we've said now, the Unlawful Entry is not an example of that. Um, And if anything, it's also getting a Blu-ray release for the first time. Uh, later this year, I believe, from Shout Factory. So that can hopefully help kind of spread the word about Unlawful Entry. But for people that don't know what Unlawful Entry is about, it was released in 1992, and it's a psychological thriller from director Jonathan Kaplan and writer Louis Kolk, starring Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe as Michael and Karen Carr, who experience a violent home invasion, and as a result, befriend responding police officer Pete Davis, who's played by Ray Liotta, who goes out of his way to help them set up a new security system. But Pete, but Pete quickly goes from kind and compassionate to fiercely fixated on the lives, on their lives, and begins to cross the line of protect and serve to terrorize and torment. This film had a budget of $23 million. It went on to make $57.1 million at the box office. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's certified fresh 76% based on 37 critic reviews. However, audiences were a little less forgiving as it holds a 49% based on 5,000 plus reviews. Uh, over on Letterboxd, it's a bit more forgiving as there's an average of 3.2 out of 5 based on 6,000 plus reviews. I was kind of uh, intrigued by the skew there, especially on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Between 76% yeah. uh, based on critic reviews and audience score of 49% considering audiences are typically a little more forgiving, especially when we're sort of looking back at old uh, films that have been you know, rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Because I feel like genre films, specifically, were not as uh, well regarded, perhaps, by the media back then.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could see it maybe even being one of those instances of maybe. I mean, I guess at the time, I'm trying to think timeline with some of like similar type films of maybe there were so many of the, you know, husband and wife home invasion thrillers coming at the time that maybe it sort of got lost in the shuffle and people were, maybe comparing it to you know, I don't know trying to think in my head like uh it's basically just you know they it's like a, a couple and then they come upon some individual whoever it may be and they slowly end up becoming someone who dismantles their lives yeah uh and this is that but with the cop twist uh which I enjoyed quite a bit but yeah I, I just think it it must have been just I especially after watching it a just maybe a mix of a shuffle and people maybe not giving more attention to what actually is being presented to them than just going like, Yeah, it's just another, you know, home invasion movie.
1: Yeah, this movie reminded me of a movie from the early aughts um that was called Lakeview Terrace, which I believe was when uh Samuel Jackson plays a cop that <laughs> sees that. Hey. you did see that? It wasn't it the... it's him and uh Patrick Stewart. C- Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Stewart is um is married to a black woman and I think that Samuel Jackson doesn't approve of their relationship, so he, like, starts targeting them, basically, and it's, like, that kind of similar to this film in that it's focusing on this cop that's harassing them, but, you know, for Unlawful Entry, I was really impressed with the ways, and we can get right into the good now.
0: Um, also, just shout, not to cut you off, Patrick Wilson, my apologies. I was sitting there, I was like, is that his last name? We said Patrick Stewart. Oh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I, like, I was like, wait, Patrick Stewart. I was like, that's Xavier, isn't it? Patrick like, wait, Wilson. Wait, wait, Yeah, Patrick <laughs> Wilson, who's great. Who's great. We who's
1: fantastic. Wilson. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with this film, I was kind of going into it, that movie, like Terrace, in the back of my mind, where I was like, okay, is it just going to be this cop harassing them? But I was really, really impressed right off the bat um, with Jonathan Kaplan's direction and the writing. Um, because this film, you know, they do such a good job of beginning the movie with that home invasion, right, which is very shocking, very violent. Um, and then the film is much quieter for about half of its runtime, right? You have that whole interaction where the burglar has um, has uh, Karen at knife point and everything, and it's this moment of just helplessness from Kurt Russell's character. And then thankfully, you know, nothing happens to her, but then they are introduced to, of course, uh, Ray Liotta's character, the cop, but then it's more about focusing on the relationship between the three of them, And him kind of slowly embedding himself into their life in a way that begins, you know, seemingly innocently enough, but it doesn't really kind of get to the punchline, I suppose, of this film too quickly, which was my main fear was that, oh, all of a sudden, within the first 45 minutes, he's going to become this, you know, maniac that then they're going to have to deal with the rest of the film, Uh, which I think is a great primer for the end of the movie when things get much louder, much more overt, um, and he has really kind of like instilled himself into their lives in a way that is... Um, very subtle, but at the same time, like pretty terrifying because of the ramifications is how familiar he is uh, with that couple.
0: Uh, yeah, I think for me, it was a highlight in just that I appreciated the slow build to Ray Liotta becoming off the walls psychotic. I There's so many movies that have like a similar dynamic where the person is pretty blatantly off. In the beginning, mm-hmm. to the point where you go like, you guys got to stay away from this person. Yeah. <laughs> like out the gate. So, you know, by the time it like gets to that point of craziness, you're like, well, what did you expect? Where in this, it was a, a believable amount of craziness to where like in the beginning, I mean, I like at the very beginning, I, I wasn't. I mean, you can tell. For example, like, oh, he's kind of taken aback by uh, Karen when he comes to help her and her husband, and Edgar Russell, in the house. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, okay, he's kind of taken aback. But he, like, handles everything pretty professionally. He's not Mm -hmm. doing anything too, you know, forward or crazy. Uh, And he's helping them with, like, their house and stuff. Uh, So when he does go crazy, and the lengths of crazy he goes to, it's like, (laughs) oh, Jesus. Like... Even the first hints where you're like, "Oh, you, you could still be like, well, I I guess I could see why maybe he was being a little over the line there in this instance," and then you get to a point where it's just like, "Oh, okay, this guy just needs to you need to just get
1: this guy needs to go." <laughs> yeah, they do a good job of sort of I suppose we'll call them their yellow flags for the audience, but it's never red flags for the characters in this film. For again, like the first half of the movie, because uh, typically. You know, I think films are so terrified of losing the the audience's attention that they're like, OK, well, we can't bury the lead too much. If we don't give them something up front, they're going to lose interest. And then you have to have like these sort of series of red flags and whatnot to just keep them invested in what's happening with this movie. There's a good deal of breathing room, which I was really surprised by. Again, you know, I'm not familiar with Jonathan Kaplan as a director, um, but at the same time, like has a good amount of. Sort of just even-handedness, I suppose, with getting to those bigger moments, and when those bigger moments happen in the back half of the film, you know they have a lot of weight behind them because you kind of get to see these characters be taken aback by something that was, you know, pretty well covered up by you know Rayliota's character and whatnot. He, he, it's not his first rodeo. Let's say, like, it's very apparent that uh, he has done something similar probably in the past where he just, you know, either embeds himself into people's lives. Or just becomes obsessed with, you know, primarily uh, a woman that he probably has encountered on the job. And there's even that line that kind of went past me uh, the first time when I was watching it. And then I rewatched the first half of the movie this morning um, when they leave um, the car's residence after helping them out with the burglary and everything. And his partner goes, I know what you're thinking. And then Ray Lee's character is like, What? What am I thinking? And they kind of laugh about it. And it's like, Oh, that's <laughs> that's an inside joke that has a, a little more sinister connotation to it now that I've seen the entirety of the film. Right. Oh God. I mean, the other thing
0: too, which I lo- I was great. I mean, the first thing perform the performers in this elevate a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's not, it's a solidly written movie, but the like there's certain lines where I could I could have seen completely been flubbed with mm-hmm. the wrong person, but one line in particular with. Ray Liotta is him and Kurt Russell kind of get into a spat and he goes, what are you going to do? Call the cops. Like, it's a very, yeah. you know, in it's it's, it's it's like, even just saying it like right now, it's a cheesy line, but the way he delivers it in the scene with this like deadpan, like, like the fuck you going to do about it, Kurt Russell, you know, <laughs> it it's very effective. And Kurt Russell, I mean, yeah, I mean, he—he, he, you know, he's played a lot of badasses, but in this movie, he's—he's—he is a, a a regular Joe schmo for the most part.
1: It reminded me a lot of his role in Breakdown, where he's this kind of just mild-mannered guy, doesn't want confrontation, and then basically is thrown into this hell on earth situation where, you know, again, another film where Kurt Russell's wife is basically brutalized to varying degrees, and he's kind of like helpless to do anything, and has to go through this whole ordeal to kind of become the hero of the film, but. Uh, In both of these instances, you know, it's a smart use of Kurt Russell, because, you know, I think by at this point, you know, he's a leading man. He has been the tough guy plenty of times, but sort of having him out of his element for majority of the film, and then having him really come into the hero role kind of like in the 12th hour um, is a smart utilization of him. And it kind of goes against type. But, you know, I am a massive Kurt Russell fan, probably top three, top five actors for me. I was blown away by Ray Liotta in this. Uh, So I want to talk about him a little bit more because he was so good in this that he was nominated for Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards the following year in '93. Uh, And you know, everybody when you think of Ray Liotta, rest in peace, he's the type of guy that everybody associates him with—the strong man in a mafia movie or something like that, or the thug, right? Uh, Yeah. Which you know is not surprising. So to see him play against type for a majority of this movie, or at least half of this movie, was also something that I found really surprising, but more so than surprising, I thought, you know, it was great to see him flex some different muscles, at least from what I've seen in a majority of the films that he's been in. Um, And the fact that he's able to kind of ride that line of being sort of like Prince Charming towards Karen, also being the best bud of uh, Kurt Russell in moments for the first half of the film. And it was just nice to see him like tackle that type of role and tackle it in a way that felt very sort of earnest it didn't feel like oh Ray is playing a nice guy it just kind of was a whole nother kind of persona i thought until you have that kind of switch go off and it's like oh yeah that is a facade and the facade has fallen long ago uh
0: yeah no i'm i'm a fan a, a big fan of both uh i haven't seen break i'm gonna have to see breakdown i haven't seen that um but uh, is that what is that what you said it was called?
1: Yeah, breakdown. Yeah, that was okay. one where him and his wife are like in the desert, and they get into a beef with uh, a driver on the road, and then his wife like disappears, and he has to try uh-huh. to find her. And okay. nobody is very, no one in the area is very helpful in trying to find her. Gotcha. Okay,
0: yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, no, I Ray Liotta is one of those actors. He kind of reminds me a little bit, just in the vein of Nicolas Cage, where they can completely. Just take they can read the movie for what it is and be extremely over the top and give some batshit performances. But at the same time are still incredible actors who can, you know, have multi-layered performances in movies. And yeah, in this, I was surprised at the beginning. I mean, there were I mean, the other thing, too, that they they made a smart move with is while Kurt Russell is our protagonist, uh, he can be an asshole he's not perfect you can tell he's a little bit of a domineering husband at times with his wife and the way he talks to her uh so they don't paint him to be just mr perfect from the beginning so it it, it's it's a nice change change of pace. i was surprised they went that route early on um not nearly to an extreme uh as like something like say i don't know (laughs) <laughs> straw dogs where it's very apparent who's the good guy in this for the most part but sure. uh it's still though like at the beginning yeah you're like seeing Ray Liotta and how he's treating him and you're like uh, it's it's it's. you could tell Ray Liotta at the beginning has like a little brokenness to him and has some issues but he does seem like he genuinely cares even for, for uh, Kurt Russell's character uh, you know, he, like, t- like the first thing he does, you know, he's taking him out for a ride-along. He's very open with him when he's talking. And before there's even really a switch to where he's really going for his wife, like, he definitely seems genuinely hurt when Michael or uh, Kurt Russell's character gets upset with him. Yeah. So it didn't seem like a, just an instant, like, I'm just going to fuck these people over. It, it definitely seems to get a bit jarred from... How him and Michael's relationship just starts to uh just disintegrate in front of us. Uh which I appreciated. Uh and yeah, Ray yeah, Ray Liotta, I mean, he he has a a scene in it which I, I mean it's slightly in my what the fucks, but it's so funny because he's he gets basically told off by uh um Michael. I keep wanting to say Michael or Kurt Russell, I'm just sticking with Michael, I'm sticking yeah. with the character names. Uh, he has like a like kind of a feud with michael and as he kicks him out of a club and that he was throwing this party for which we'll get to in a bit uh and he goes and he goes to have sex with this prostitute in the in like some desk like just under a bridge somewhere in the city and he it like cuts to him and he is just dead inside uh and i mean the funniest part though is this is like the ultimate just movie prostitute. Cause I, I don't know who the actress was, but she's like this beautiful woman and he's just like sitting there and she's like, you know, she's like on top of him and he's just like, he's just like, I, I can't function. I did not enjoy <laughs> he's watching like,
1: him squirm like that. That was not, no, that was not a scene that I was a fan of. <laughs> no, he's
0: just like, he's uncomfortable. He's not like, you could just tell he's just not right. Uh, And then that's like the first major like, yeah, he's 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 not going to take this well. Uh, And from there, it's just like, yeah, you, then you get to see Ray Liotta just unhinged Ray Liotta. And it is a spectacle.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a great example, I think, of the switch that Ray Liotta is able to do. Right. Because. It's not difficult for him, I think, to kind of go back to Old Reliable, right, which is him playing a psychopath or playing somebody that is over the top, that blows their stack at sort of the uh, the most minute of occurrences. And right. so, I again, talking about the film and sort of its structure, the way in which this movie is able to kind of go against type for both of its male leads, right? Um, you know, I'm not terribly familiar with Madeline Stowe, who holds her own, I think, throughout this entire film, but... It's really nice to see Kurt Russell play against type, Ray Liotta play against type, but then by that sort of halfway mark, they start to begin to go back to like what they really shine at. And that's not to say like, oh, the first part of the film, their performances are underwhelming, but it's just nice to see them kind of be out of their element a little bit in a way that I think kind of is paired perfectly with the film. And, you know, that, if anything, makes this one of my favorite Ray Liotta performances because- when he does have that sort of switch flip and, you know, that scene that you mentioned under the bridge is a perfect example, that's a fucking scary scene. Just, like, how over-the-top angry he is at the flip of a switch. And then, you know, of course, he's got this sort of misogyny-laden insults that he hurls at this woman and whatnot, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, now I'm seeing behind the veil a little bit more. Um, And it's not necessarily that surprising, but I think it's how well he is able to sell um, the sort of the facade that everybody else sees that he is just like this nice guy. He's a cop. He's a hero, this type of thing. Everybody except, you know, his partner who uh, it doesn't take much convincing. Right. And that was another one of the elements of this film that I liked was the fact that, you know, for the most part, nobody believes Kurt Russell. Right. Um, which is an element of this movie that I don't want to get into while we're still in the good. But, you know, you even have that instant where his partner takes a little bit of convincing, but as soon as Kurt Russell's like, oh, well, I guess nobody's going to help me, his partner's like, oh, no, you know, this is pretty believable, actually, which, again, speaks to, I suppose, the reality that the only person that would know Ray Ray Liotta was capable of these things is somebody that spends all day with him. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that joke that they had for one another at the very beginning of the film, it's a lot more sinister (laughs) now, you know, the deeper you get into the movie and you start to think back about more and more things that they've said. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's not so cutesy by uh you know the midway point in this film.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think the other thing too with Ray Liotta, uh, especially, is even when he becomes unhinged. I mean, you once you have that scene under the bridge, you do no. That's that's probably it as far as him being like you know remotely likable, but at the same time. Um, I still think even when he's playing up his other persona, like like there's a scene with him and uh, Penny when he says he's leaving groceries uh, for Karen. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, like I said, when you have these movies, it's you're just like, you know, you the person gives off so much evil vibe that you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Where in this, I mean, even in that scene and I've just witnessed this man do some heinous shit. I was like, yeah, he's still kind of got the charm going and, and enough to where I would buy, I can buy into why they would fall for it. Mm. And like, even in the scene with Penny, like she doesn't even open the door for him just because she's heard kind of what's been going on. But, you know, he in the performance sells it enough that I would believe that Yeah, I could see, I guess, where she would want to just, you know, open the door and grab it. Because who would be psycho enough to purchase all these groceries <laughs> and give this nice little speech and then still be there ready to attack? He's very disarming, uh, which is yes.
1: perfect, I think, for this role. It's, you know, I, I'm going to, of course, uh, refer to his role in Goodfellas, right? I mean, the it's the type of movie where he plays this despicable character, but he is able to be charming when he needs to be right? So to the degree where he ends up being a character that, you know, you don't co-sign what the character is doing, but at the same time, you're like, there's part of you in the back of your mind, you're like, man, I hope this guy doesn't, like, get killed or have the whole book thrown at him type of a thing, right? Um, Yeah. Which is why, you know, you can watch a film like that over and over, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, despicable people doing despicable things, but you can't not watch that movie when it pops up on TV. And for me, you know, when you're selling yourself as a character that is despicable, but at the same time, they have these little instances of being able to relate to people or more, I suppose, specifically uh, manipulating people, right? Which is something, again, that's a testament to the writing, but it's the way Leota sells it. I think about when he has that um, cup of coffee with Karen at the bar when, you know, after he's done speaking to all those school kids, the fact that he's able to pick up on all these little nuances of what she's saying and kind of cut through some of Uh, What she's saying and finding the root of the things that she feels either, you know, uh, I think one instance she mentions the fact that like, oh, um, they met her and Michael met at a bar that she was working at or something like that. And so all of a sudden he makes it seem like, oh, well, he just like saved you from this life you were living type of thing, which then I'm sure touches upon one of her insecurities. Right. About the fact that, oh, well, you know, it really you were just a pretty face, which is what he's kind of saying. Um, so the fact that he's able to kind of pick up on little nuances and then, you know, use that against somebody and say it to their face, but do it in a way that doesn't make them like leave the room or slap them in the face. Like that's a very like uncomfortable sort of disarming mechanism that he uses through a majority of the movie. Cause you know, if he showed too much through the veil early on, again, that would be this blatant red flag to the characters, even though it's a red flag to the audience. But then you're kind of like, well, why are they being so accommodating of this fucking weirdo with these things that anybody else would say? Okay, well, this is anything that happens past this point. That's on the characters because they should have known. And the film really does a good job of kind of avoiding that pitfall, I think, um, for a majority of it. But, you know, he's also pretty funny. And I think that that speaks to, again, the writing in this movie. The writing is pretty smooth, I think, in how the dialogue feels very natural. Like, one of the first instances in the very beginning of the movie with Kurt Russell's character, when they hear something downstairs, right, and he goes to investigate, he grabs a golf club in case there's a burglar, and his wife's like, well, I don't want you to go down there, he goes, don't worry, if there's anything serious, I'll come back for my driver, which is a pretty funny line, and, you know, Kurt Russell is is so (laughs) suave and charming that (laughs) it comes off really, really well, and then Leota himself has that line when they're at the nightclub opening, and... Um, he's talking to Penny, basically, who, of course, Karen's trying to set him up with, and uh, she basically offers, "Oh, you should come talk to my students at school. My students who are these, you know, little fourth or fifth graders or whatever. Uh, they love police officers." And Ray Liotta is like, "Ah, oh, they're young. Give them time," which is like, "Yeah," <laughs> such a terrific line, and the way he sells it's terrific. At the same time, it's a pretty dark line on, you know, reflecting back because of the reality of like who this guy is what he's doing, and, you know, what he is capable of. So, like, there is a great sort of tongue-in-cheek humor going throughout this film um, that, again, I think does a good job of balancing out this predicament, which in some ways is ridiculous, but at the same time, I think the film is acknowledging that while also making, you know, some other commentary that um, I want to get into in a little bit. But I want you to share something else that uh, you've had for the good.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I think that I'm trying, I'm, I'm looking at my list of good. Cause some of it, a lot of it we haven't covered. Oh, something also that just, dis- well, first off also the cat lives. That's my, one of my insignificant goods. That's not that important, good. but I always <laughs> give credit. Literally when this movie started and there was a cat, I was like, ah, oh, fuck that cat's gonna be strangled <laughs> or beating, but, um, uh, speaking of though a cat reveal, uh, one of the scenes of the movie that I, I would just like, sh- like caught me off guard is when they reveal Penny's body in the closet.
1: Oh yeah. That's it a good was, stuff, I, it,
0: it, you know, I had those, you know, that black Christmas <laughs> vibe of just like, Oh geez. It, like just this unsightly vi- view of a woman who's been suffocated with a plastic bag. You're just like, ah, my God, uh, It uh, caught me off guard, but also uh, I appreciated that even though, I mean, there's some over the top moments towards the end, but I appreciated that the violence level was, or not, I shouldn't say the violence level, but the way they treated the violence, that it was somewhat more grounded than you would see in movies at the time. Like at the end, there's a scene, uh, Russell, uh, Kurt Russell Crowe, Jesus Christ, Michael's character. Uh, he takes a, a a pan to the head, and he's like out of commission for a a, a good moment. Yeah, uh, where you know in most movies it'd be like, oh, he goes to the ground, he's bleeding a bit, and he gets back up right away and ready to fight. Where in this, they they treat like, oh no, he just got whacked in the head with a blunt metal object, uh, and I mean, obviously, I mean it's a spoiler alert, but uh, we got squibs. We got full-on Ray Liotta's chests getting shot, blood squibs, and you're always gonna get a positive plus for blood squibs. So, oh, and also a fun little cameo from Robert Costanzo, who's like he does the does the voice of uh, Harvey Bullock in the Batman: The Animated Series. Oh really? What uh, role was he He's just a very, very. He's just the bail bondsman near the end of it. Oh yes,
1: <laughs> I thought he looked familiar. He was one of those guys who like this is he's what, in a part of a bunch of movies. About, this is part of what I love about genre films is the fact that you just have these random well-known actors, but you can't put a name to their face, and they pop up, and you're like, yeah, that's the fucking guy from the fucking movie, <laughs> and that's yeah. it. But it's like, yeah, no, hey, man, it's they've true, got a though. notable premise. I mean. This movie has a couple of other cameos like that. Dick Miller plays um, mm-hmm. the uh, repo guy, and then you have—I'm um, going to butcher his name. I apologize. Uh, Dimian Hunso plays a prisoner on a bench. He was um, in uh, Amistad. He was in a bunch of movies. Um, he, most people movie. that have uh, are familiar with you know more recent movies would know him as the guy who says who in gardens of the galaxy. But he's right. been in plenty of films over the years. That's the one that I think, you know, more uh, y- younger audiences would probably know him for, but uh, also there was one other person who the fuck was it? It was, um, Oh, the police chief, Andy Romano, who anybody that loves um, Eraser that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie as much as me is one of the guys that's behind the big conspiracy in <laughs> the limo that gets killed at the end. So one of those movies that has plenty of these little cameos that, you know, some of them you could barely call them cameos. They just like are there for half a scene almost like Dick yeah. Miller, who yeah. is like a big name, but at the same time, like he's in this, I don't know, 90 second scene, but he leaves a mark on it, uh, which is, you know, why he is so notable.
0: Yeah. I mean, even Bob, My- Bob minor, uh, with this, fuck it, uh, the, uh, man, uh, commando. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's cool seeing, it's just cool. It's just cool to see at the time, like these actors that we you know, we don't really see anymore. Some of which we do, but, uh, you know, it's, there's something about, you know, going back to a movie in like early nineties. And when you see somebody that t- today has kind of made it, you're like, Oh fuck. <laughs> hey we're a baby in this movie yeah <laughs> it's like oh shit uh but yeah i uh i i mean there's, there's really as far as the good goes i mean there's it's not i mean there's really not much else to really say it's just like a kind of i mean i do think madeline Stowe. Like, i mean you brought up earlier i mean she definitely deserves credit being able to hold her own with kurt russell and ray Liotta. that's not a small feat as a performer yeah no. and uh yeah, it's it's. I think it's funny because there was a. I I did look on IMDb and there was a fun like their fun facts or trivia or whatever about movies, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe refused body doubles for their sex scene. I was like, yeah, if I was Kurt Russell, I probably would too. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah I, mean. I just thought that was hysterical. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if she's gonna do it, there's literally zero reason he would say
1: no. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Madeline Stowe is gorgeous in this movie. I, I looked yeah. into her um, IMDb as well because I was not familiar with her. Um, and she hasn't made a movie in, I think it was like 20 or 21 years. She's been in TV shows, but she doesn't work in film anymore, which I didn't find a reason for. But she, I thought she was great too because, you know, especially when I look back at older films, not always uh, the female characters are written to the degree that they should have been, you know, there's a lot of this sort of damsel in distress type thing. But I thought as a, you know, a woman that has been brutally traumatized in this film from the opening moments of it, um, she does a really good job at sort of portraying um, PTSD. You have a couple instances of that, things that set her off because of her trauma, right? Which is, you know, either days or weeks removed from. And then at the same time, you know, is is not entirely reliant on Kurt Russell himself, right? I think when we talk about the ending of the film later, there's, you know, of course, Kurt Russell's racing because he's gotten out of prison and whatnot, and he's got to run back to the house to get her and help her. But at the same time, like, she holds her own to the degree that she's able to get the gun, even if it has been unloaded, unfortunately. Um, She's able to, like, pursue um, this fantasy that basically uh, Officer Pete has made where he's like, yeah, you know, we're just, you know, Michael's not here anymore. So I'll be the man of the house thing. And it's basically holding her hostage in her own house. And then, you know, she's able to kind of lead him on enough and delay his advances. But, you know, it ultimately uh, Kurt Russell needs to come in and kind of save the day. But I thought she did a really good job of just being somebody that's able to kind of overcome that PTSD trauma and is empowered basically to like take charge of the situation, um, which is not always the case with, you know. I would say '90s films, even some early aughts films, right? The female protagonist is usually the damsel in, the distre- in distress to a, uh, you know, maybe a fault sometimes, right? The way that that's kind of portrayed.
0: Right. I mean, with her in this, the other. I mean, truthfully, when it when it, it gets to the point where she's kind of trying to kind of recover from the PTSD and everything that's been going on with her, and you get to that scene at the end with Ray Liotta, um, I, I started realizing they really did make her almost more. I mean, I think she. They, I think emotionally in this film, she was by far portrayed as the strongest. Oh, even yeah. with Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, I mean, like I said, he's he's not a, you know, a perfect dude in this movie and they don't portray him as such. Where with her, she's, you know, even early on, she's like trying to be grounded and logical. Uh, she's wanting to hear both sides of stories. She's like, you know, works with some of that. Of course, you could read into and be like, oh, well, she didn't see him do this or that. But, you know, considering what the story has given her, you know, writing wise, and especially at the end with because at the end, when she's playing up Ray Liotta, he is so far gone at this point. Yeah. To where, like, you're just like, man, he could just snap at any moment and this is over. And she I mean, she also I mean, it was when we spoke about the scene with Penny, she sees Pe- the reveal to us is her first seeing Penny dead. And she's shocked, but she, like, realizes, oh, shit, I have to pull myself together. So he doesn't think I just saw that. And she's just trying to, you know, prolong, you know, the inevitable, you know, avoid that, you know, giving some sort of time so hopefully, you know, she can be saved by someone. And uh, I thought they handled that in a really solid way as opposed to just, yeah, as you said, you know, damsel in distress. Oh, if it wasn't for you know, Kurt Russell sort of vibes.
1: I think also, you know, I want to go back to uh, Jonathan Kaplan's uh, direction and you know the writing from uh, Lewis Colick, the writer. You know, this was a film that again, the way in which it's able to kind of hide a lot of Ray Liotta's motivations from these characters and whatnot is done in a really smart way, I think. Because you know, what does he do to kind of it? He not only embeds himself into their lives, but then the ways in which he's able to start to kind of push Kurt Russell out of the, her life is the fact that he starts like attacking him from the business side of things. Right. Uh, the way that he's able to kind of embarrass him straight off the bat in front of the investor where he's like, he's fucking with his credit cards. He's fucking with his car, which then has a boot and you know, Oh, I've got $600 worth of tickets and these things. And then, you know, what is the sort of penultimate, uh, way that he fucks up Kurt Russell's life to get him out of the house is the fact that he's planting all those drugs in his house, which I was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is this is pretty uh, contrived at that point, right? That's probably the most fantastical aspect, I suppose, of the film. The fact that all of a sudden, everybody just believes that, like, yeah, he's this major drug dealer, basically. And there's no paper trail that of who is reporting these things or who's right. trying to, you know, screw up his life. But what I really liked, which was a minor detail that ends up sort of making this very run of the mill sort of way to frame somebody stick in a way that typically wouldn't is the fact that he's using Kurt Russell's past against him. And the fact that, you know, the reason that Kurt Russell's bail is astronomically high is the fact that it's tied to something that happened previously, where he's like, yeah, you know, you pled out of a case a decade ago for something that you didn't even do. um, And the fact that that is the sticking point for keeping him in prison where, you know, I think he says "Um, there's, I was with a client and they had blow on them or something and I hit it in the car so they wouldn't get in trouble or something along those lines. Um, and like just those little details are throughout the film and they sell the more fantastical elements of this movie in a way that just, again, it feels, uh, I don't want to say grounded, but it just sells it as being a little more believable about why this is sticking as much as it is. Because typically it'd be like, well.
0: They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even go to try to explain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the fact that they tried it all. Was enough for you to be like, okay, like I, I can I can buy into that enough for that to not be some glaring like, ah, oh, well, that'll never happen sort of situation. Where in most, I mean, I yeah, I, I think they would just in this, if this was any other, you know, run of the mill type <laughs> film, it would just have been like, oh yeah, no, he's been doing this for years, and uh, we have all these these drugs on him, and some guy from the you know from the city said so, and it's just uh, we're gonna believe him. And it's like, oh, well, why? It's like because we can. Okay, yeah. move on. Next, <laughs> right. next client. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and I guess the last thing I just want to say about the ending of the film before I get into my last point for the good. Sorry, I have a lot of the good this week because no, <laughs> I fucking no, loved this movie. It, yeah, um, no, man. I loved that final line that Ray Liotta has when you know the tables have turned. He gets thrown down the stairs. Uh, Kurt Russell <clears throat> basically gets the gun. And uh, Ray Liotta looks at me, he's like, what are you going to do, tough guy? Are you going to make a citizen's arrest? And it was kind of like with the line that he had earlier, where he's like, what are you going to do, call the cops? Right. And then just gets lit the fuck up, because you figure like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, Kurt Russell wasn't able to walk the talk earlier when uh, when uh, Ray Liotta's character finds the guy that broke into his house, and he's like, yeah, you wanted to rip this guy's heart out. And then Kurt Russell, you know, s- somewhat naturally is like horrified at the prospect of just beating the fuck out of somebody. And clearly somebody
0: who has not had to like deal with this sort of confrontation in his life. Yeah. And just exactly. wants to like, you know, just he he's, he's seen enough and sees that he's going to get arrested and is like, okay, that's enough for me.
1: Right. But then of course, you know, when he gets the gun, he doesn't just shoot him once, but he like unloads the clip <laughs> on him, which I loved because it was that sort of perfect representation of that built up frustration. And I would say to a degree, like emasculation that he's had throughout the film. Right. Cause the, fi- the fact that, He had to watch helplessly at the beginning and then this guy that's in his life that is this power figure um, comes in and is like, yeah, I'm like a man and you're not kind of thing. So to get to have that sort of uh, that moment where he's like, oh, no, you know, I'm pretty empowered here and then actually like goes the distance and just lights him the fuck up was like very satisfying for an ending instead of some cop out bullshit where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to hold you a gunpoint and then you'll just go through the criminal justice system because i'll I think have that, the system deal yeah. with you because <laughs> you know the film as a whole um is basically showing like the system working against a citizen right so it's right. nice to see a film end where it's like it's not a citizen like doe-eyed that is like oh i'm gonna trust the system this time because it's the right thing to do it's like no nah. in this fantasy scenario we're gonna blow this motherfucker away <laughs>
0: I mean, that's always something in so many movies. Even movies, There's some even movies I love where you have that protagonist that goes through this horrendous ordeal only to get to the, you know, the big bad and be like, you're not worth it. Right. Uh, I was waiting for that. I thought that was going to happen, honestly. I was like, Me I can see that maybe even being a reason why maybe this movie didn't stand out as much. Uh, and now, nah, dude, <laughs> just he empties that fucking clip uh and uh it's a great it's a great kill too you know i I, you know it wasn't even like just oh there's a quick he shoots and it cuts to his face it's like no we're gonna watch ray liotta stumble back with like eight shots to the chest you're like oh all right kurt russell
1: it was a very (laughs) action-oriented kind of death for a film that is not heavy on action Right. You've got those squibs and you've got him like stumbling and whatnot. Uh, Yeah, that was a great death. And then to have the movie's last shot be the cat letting Kurt, the cat who supposedly hates Kurt Russell, but loved Ray Liotta, lets Kurt Russell pick the cat up at the very end and, you know, hold it for a moment and not shred him to shit was like a really fantastic way to kind of solidify that, you know, Kurt Russell is this is him kind of getting his life back in a way. Um, which I thought was just like a perfect ending for this movie. And, you know, a lot of the time with these types of movies, I find the ending is usually the part where it falls flat. They're like, I don't know how this should end. Is this going to be that type of thing where it's like, yeah, we'll let the system figure it out. But no, this movie really had, I thought, a terrific ending that, again, played against type almost for what I expected from a film such as this, uh, which was a nice surprise, I think, after a film that, you know, I enjoyed all throughout and then to have this ending it was just like fuck yes this is like the perfect ending for this type of movie
0: yeah yeah i i i thought overall they they wrapped it up really well um there's one element to it that it's more of a what the fuck sort of thing (laughs) which is why i'm gonna save it but uh yeah no i i was surprised because i i think the only thing with it was it was I wasn't expecting it to end right there just because the movie is pretty good about letting it breathe. But, uh, no, him picking up the cat and going outside and sitting there. And that was kind of it with just cops pulling up. I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, re- I think that probably was the smart choice to not just sit there and, and, and dwell much on what they, what, what they just fucking went through. <laughs>
1: Um, but unless you had something else for the good, I'll get into my, uh, my final bullet point for that. Uh, b-b-b-b-b-ber.
0: I mean, I think for the most part we, we, we covered, uh, everything that I th- I, th- I mean, yeah. I mean, I just like the cast overall, I mean, even like shout outs to just even some of the side players. Mm. Like I thought Roger E. Mosley as, uh, Ray Liotta's partner was great. Oh yeah. Yeah as being a cop that you can tell has maybe seen some shit with Ray Liotta, but definitely still is wanting to be a good partner to him as a cop. Uh, like his, his, uh, scene I, I found, even though I kind of knew it was coming, I found it extremely upsetting. I was like, Oh dude, he, was, oh, yeah. he seemed like a, a good dude. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean shout out just kind of the cast, it's a well-shot movie. I appreciate it also at times that they would do some of those dramatic close up shots. Mm. Like especially even early on when the al- there's a scene when the alarm goes off and it just zooms in dramatically to it. Yeah. I I don't know. I always have a fondness for that with older movies, especially because they just I mean maybe it's just almost out of the fact that there's not a lot of new movies that do it. There are some just for artistic choices, but just not that many. And even with her, there's like a lot of like cool zoom in reactionary shots. It reminds me a little bit of Sam Raimi. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just I, overall it was just a really well done movie, and I I'm a surprise. I didn't look up too much as far as reviews and stuff go. I'm like surprised uh, as far as like the audience score and stuff for like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. I mean, despite I mean you know my views on those, but <laughs> I just it's a one of those where it's kind of is a crowd pleaser for the most part. Like I, I'm surprised. I guess that's just surprising to me that it's so. I mean, I don't know. There's so many like invasion thriller movies and stuff like that where like audiences like it's like got like a ten percent critic and like a seventy to eighty percent audience. I guess I'm just surprised this one's so much lower.
1: You know, I think part of what it might be, and this kind of is a perfect lead into my final bullet point for the good. Um, I think this is a film that appreciates with age very well because of how timely I found this movie to be. Um, you know, I thought that this movie's portrayal of uh, law enforcement and sort of the nuances of that portrayal felt very timely for just kind of, you know, where we're at currently. And this is not me going to go on a huge political rant or something, but, you know, the way in which this movie, because typically when I think about films um, prior to like the 2000s, uh, for the most part, from my experience, it was like law enforcement is always viewed as being these vestiges of good that have no sort of negative portrayals. And I'm speaking very generally, you know, about specifically genre movies, right? It's always law enforcement's the good guys, everybody else are the bad guys. Um, and to have a film such as this, that, you know, the year prior to this film's release was the Rodney King beating. And then, you know, the this film came out the summer after uh, the LA riots. And, you know, I thought that that time distinction of those events to when this film was released had to have influenced it. Because of the fact that this film really does kind of hearken and hone on uh, the portrayal of the us and then there's everybody else, which the movie quite literally says that at a point, right? Because when yeah. Kurt Russell is like trying to uh, basically get help from law enforcement, he gets all this pushback, right? And even the, his partner, uh, Kurt, um, Ray Liotta's partner at first is like, yeah, I'm not really going to get involved in this. And Kurt Russell literally quotes that at him. He's like, yeah, you know, there's the us and then there's everybody else, right? which kind of is like the wake up call of like, yeah, man, that's not really how you should be going about this because of the fact that your partner is, you know, this unhinged scumbag and hiding behind the blue kind of thing uh, is only going to, you know, if it it doesn't stop with me, it's not going to stop with somebody else. So it's like this continual kind of cycle that will continue.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought it was I mean, there's I mean, definitely today there's definitely been more movies coming out with, you know, uh, even if it's not painting necessarily the whole force of police, but usually like, you know, a sect of corrupt police and things like that. So it was it was cool to see a movie, you know, early 90s that was willing to be like, yeah, we're going to make the villain of this just a cop. Yeah. Uh you know, I mean like sure we could go to movies like Psycho Cop and stuff like that, but you know, that's in such a different field of film that you're like, okay, well that's just
1: well this is pretty grounded. <laughs> ludicrous. I yeah. But I think this depiction is a lot more grounded, right? And the sort yeah, of yeah. the conversations that this has uh throughout periodically throughout, like early on, Kurt Russell is like, Yeah, I'm a, well I I don't really care about security system, I'm gonna go out and buy a gun. And I don't know. Typically, again, you know, when they portray cops, it's like, yeah, man, get a gun because you want to, you know, blow bad guys away or whatever. But, you know, his, uh, Ray Liotta's partner quite literally says, do not get a gun. And Kurt Russell's character says something like, oh, I've gone shooting. And uh, the cop is like, well, you've shot at targets, not people, uh, which, you know, even Ray Liotta, I think, uh, sides with the wife. And he says like, yeah, you know, the wrong people always get hurt when a gun is brought into the house, which is just, yeah. again, you know, one of those very realistic conversations that I think is often not portrayed in films from, again, this era type of thing, um, which felt, you know, I don't know, I suppose the person that was writing it, thankfully, you know, is imparting some of these lines of dialogue that remove some of the power fantasy that I think these types of movies typically have, which I found to be kind of refreshing um, because also, you know, it leads into the rest of the film, which is probably one of the scariest parts of this movie, I thought, which was the fact that, you know, the power of the badge or the public power of the badge because of the fact that everybody that Ray Liotta meets for the rest of the movie is completely smitten with him, right? When he meets yeah. uh, Kurt Russell's business partners immediately, they're like, oh, you know, you know, he's a great guy. He knows what he's talking he makes about sense. type of thing. Yeah. He makes sense. Even Penny, right? She's, of yeah. course, she's enamored with the power of the badge and, uh, you know, even says stuff like, oh, well, kids love him. Women love him. All these random people love him. Which, you know, when it comes to Kurt Russell trying to get anybody or pleading with anybody to listen to him. It's pretty scary. Uh, The fact that nobody will just because of the stature that uh, Ray Liotta has. And, uh, you know, there's even a line, I think the police captain, he says uh, along the lines of like, you don't have evidence or video. And these days, everybody's got a goddamn home video, which again, you know, speaks to, I think sort of this film being influenced by the Rodney King riots and the LA riots and whatnot. Um, So that was just a facet of this movie that I was surprised by. And I think that ultimately it helps while it's not the sole focus of the movie. It does help again sell this sort of fantastical situation in a way that felt a little more grounded, I suppose, um, than, you know, something like Maniac Cop or uh, (laughs) any other ones where you've got like this (laughs) undead cop, psycho cop, whatever. Yeah. But granted, no, Ray not... Liotta very much is a psycho in this. He is.
0: I mean, they definitely at the end have some solid little like horror thriller moments with Ray Liotta of him. Uh, I mean, one of the, I guess going into just some a couple other good things. Uh, there's plenty to like in this movie, but Ray. there's a scene with Ray Liotta where uh, uh, Michael and Karen are trying to kind of get out of the house. And Ray Liotta just dives through two doors into the house and it's like this jump scare but it's so <laughs> funny. Um, and it's not, but like, it's not so much so that it takes away from anything. Right. It's just, it embraces the craziness of it at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of just not, it doesn't feel out of place when you get to that or, you know, her seeing her dead friend and him walking around the corner, like, what's up? <laughs> it's calmly and just like, Hey, how's it going? You know? well,
1: when the film goes full, psycho thriller like it goes for it but it's nice to see that the film doesn't sort of get there too quickly for its own good um it doesn't kind of like introduce a moment like that early on and then try to like dial it back it's like no it's got this perfect pacing from very cool calm and uh him kind of working behind the scenes and then when it goes full unhinged it just goes off with it in a way that just i think uh makes for a really great finale
0: yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, which was, like, the crux earlier in it when... uh, Because, like, I mean, you do have that first bigger flag with him when he finds the man that invaded their home. And he's wanting, you know, Kurt Russell to beat the shit out of him and saying he want, You know, because that's he said that's what he wanted. Um... And, you know, directly after that, when he goes home, he's like talking to his wife and he's like, I just, that's just, I can't do it. He's like, that's, you know, he's like, that's, he's like, he arrested the guy, but he like also like beat the fuck out of him. Um, And then she does though, hearken to the fact that, you know, from her perspective of a guy that broke in their house and God knows what he could have done to her with this knife on her throat. Mm -hmm. So it kept it muddled enough to where you're not sitting there instantly like. I'm like, why are you guys still bothering with this fucking guy? Yeah. You know, uh, so it they added a nice personal touch there, even though there is a scene when she's swimming and she like looks up and like Ray Liotta's just staring at her outside of the pool. And yeah. The shot just made me laugh because it just looks so creepy. And he makes the comment and like tries and clears it up and he's suave and charming so he can get out of it. But it's just, you know, those little drops here and there are, are are great.
1: That's also the scene where he is like starting to, I think, crack more than he can't hide it because there's that moment where she's like, yeah, let me get my robe. And he watches her get out of the pool and just like lingers his stare and can't. And it's only until she's out of the pool that he turns around where he's just like basically goggling her with his eyes and whatnot. It's like, oh, okay. The, uh, the facade is starting to break to the degree that he himself can't contain it anymore, which, again, like, there's lots of little moments in this movie that I think uh, are able to sell this in a manner that typically eludes these films that try to, be like, present these scenarios where it's like, this would never happen. And it's like, yeah, I realize that because of the fact that, you know, people tend to oversell those types of moments. But in this, there's so many subtle little moments that they don't linger on for too long that end up adding up to a film that, you know, just it feels very realized um, in a way that, again, the fact I'd never heard of this movie previously, I was kind of like, how is this not on my radar? Especially with, you know, Kurt Russell in the lead is an easy way for me to get invested in anything. But I'm kind of like, damn, he's not even the best part of this movie. Uh, And it ends up being pretty strong, I think, throughout. But um, I think that's going to get us to the bad. And to put you on the spot, what did you have first up for uh, the bad for this? (sighs) So my bad, this bad is with a huge grain it, of salt because this movie fucking rocks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have too much bad to say about it. I mean, I do. I will say, you know, for people who are like you know, who have never heard of this movie like us, uh, as far as just a concept in itself, this isn't a groundbreaking movie. And that's not me insulting it. It's just for people who maybe don't like this genre of film. I don't think it would change your mind on it. It's, but it's so effectively done, so there I go into just giving more good for it, that it, it doesn't, like, you know, it's it doesn't need to be. Uh, but I did find it, with how it ended, <laughs> a little funny, with all the loose ends in terms of Kurt Russell mm. and his prison situation, in his jail <laughs> situation. Yeah. Because, I mean... <laughs> Sure, they can I, and this, and this, like This is more of a nitpick of anything, but it just kind of goes into, like, I mean, you can prove, like, yeah, that he, like, was crazy and tried to kill you, but with some of the stuff and how he set him up, mm-hmm. I don't see how he gets himself out of some of that. Uh, because they literally... Because, like, I mean... I mean, it's to the credit of Ray Liotta's character, and maybe this isn't even an, an insult for the movie. Maybe it's just to be like, man, he really fucked this guy over. But... I mean, he, you know, like you said, he, like, goes into his past. He, you know, has these drugs planted on him. You know, with the, he had this plea deal. His buddy who basically has to put up his house so that he can get him out. um, To the point where I did, I mean, and it's a movie, so I know, you know, sometimes you gotta let some of those things go. But I, I, <laughs> I don't see how he gets out of some of the issues that were brought out by Ray Liotta, which made the ending a little on this, like, huh. Well, I wonder what he's going to do next to get out of some of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, the film itself, it's like, okay, again, it's reinforcing this. There's us and then there's everybody else mentality when it comes to the public versus police kind of relationship. So, you know, having a dead cop in your house, I haven't seen anything that would indicate that anyone is going to believe Kurt Russell and his wife's uh, story about this. Right. And also something that I didn't bring up because it's in my what the fuck uh his partner getting murdered, who was the only one that was going to, you know, back up Kurt Russell, um, not having that kind of testimony, that's not really going to help him sell the fact that, oh, yeah, this guy was terrorizing us basically the whole time. And I'm not a drug dealer. So that was a thing where I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that's not uh, the best of wrapping up of sort of that narrative. But at the yeah, end of the day, I, I was like, Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, I mean, I mean, there's also the element you could just look at it as, oh, well, I mean, you, you could make ar- ar- plenty of arguments just from everything that Ray Liotta did to get in the house and all that of him attacking them. So at the same time, it's like, you know, this guy who's like never really done anything other than this one instance with Blow a long time ago that wasn't even his. So it's like. It's like a minor complaint, but I think it's just because they kind of went so widespread with dismantling his life that that stuck out a bit to me. I think if they were a little bit more specific with it, that wouldn't have stood out so much. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I, I don't really have <laughs> too much bad to say about it. I It's, it's a really well-done movie that I'm like... I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, my, like, my first what the fuck that I put was, like, how the fuck have I never heard of this movie prior? <laughs> uh, that was
1: a bad for you. <laughs> me. Yeah, that, I
0: guess that was my bad. Was, <laughs> I wish I had seen this sooner.
1: For me, my only real bad was the film is slightly shitty, I think, about its portrayal of um, Karen in that there are several instances where they make it seem as if it's Karen's fault that Pete is obsessed with her or is, like you know it makes it seem like she is leading him on in a way that is clearly not the case. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of lines that she has or a couple of things that she does that, um, you know, are blatant examples of going against how she actually feels, I think. So, you know, there's part of it is like Kurt Russell is kind of weirdly too calm and ready to move on from his wife being held at knife point. He's like yes. a little matter of fact to the degree that it is what kind of sows the seed of, um, I suppose, division between the two of them. And that, you know, Kurt Russell's like, yeah, like, I, that him beating the shit out of that guy was scary and fucked up. And she begins to applaud Leota's brutality, which, again, is like, I, I suppose half of it I understand, right? It's like, I want to see that guy getting beat to a pulp. But the fact that Kurt Russell is like, unwilling to understand where she's coming from, or he's so quick to move on from it. Like when he initially gets interviewed by the cops, it, I don't even know if he mentions until the very last thing he says that like, oh yeah, this guy grabbed her and put a knife to her throat, which I was like, I think I would have fucking led with that. Like that's, that's a pretty traumatic thing to have happen. Um, and, right. it, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, you know, matter of fact about it. But then in terms of uh, Leota reading into her book, behavior, you know, she has a line early on where she's like, Oh, you know, he, he, Leota basically says like, Oh, I was a quiet kid in school. And out of nowhere, his wife's like, yeah, you know, us teachers, we love all those little quiet boys in the back of the class, which was like, that's a weird thing to say. Um, Like (laughs) didn't really know what to make of that. Um, And then there's also a scene where, you know, they leave to get coffee and they don't go to a coffee shop. They go to a bar And Leota, who doesn't drink in the entire film, even though he's at several places where you would drink, he's having coffee and she'd ordered uh, like a mixed drink or a beer. I think she ordered a beer, which again was like, for starters, she's leaving work in the middle of the day, which she's going back to, which I was like, that's not a great look to show up (laughs) to work with kids with beer (laughs) on your breath. But also like ordering a beer with a person that you don't really know is like, that's kind of a weird signal when you guys were going to go get coffee. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the fact that she confides in him to the degree that she does, where, you know, she starts talking about the intimacies of their marriage and all of these things. And I was like, again, like, I understand that you're traumatized and your husband is not for whatever reason, not being as, uh, sympathetic, I suppose, as he should, but like, this is not a person, you know. And so like to have her spill her guts of these intimate details was kind of like, a little contrived, I think, and almost trying to be like, well, this is why, you know, he's so deep down the rabbit hole, I think in terms of being obsessed with her, which again, it's one of those things where I was like, that's not my favorite elements of the movie. But at the same time, I was like, I suppose on some level, I understand to progress things in a way where it's like, yeah, he's playing this sort of Prince charming role. Um, but at the same time, like having her, um, spilling her guts again to this person that she really doesn't know, um, comes on a little too quickly, I think, but that was all I had for the bad.
0: I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely fair. I I mean, I think the thing with, with the Kurt Russell thing, I, 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 I think I almost let that go just in that. I felt like that was kind of part of the whole, him being kind of a little bit of a shitty husband Mm -hmm. at the beginning. So I never really wrote that off as necessarily a flaw. Uh, but yeah, no, she definitely, I mean, the other thing too, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely could see the expedited way that she kind of clings to Ray Liotta with certain details in her life. But I feel, you know, at the same time also with the trauma that she goes through and her husband not really quite being there and blowing it off like she de- like he does for it, it like, I guess it, it just didn't quite get me to where I was like... Bu- so bothered by it yeah it was it was Um, a pretty fleeting thing but uh i do think though like writing wise i think i think the only reason why i was able to be a little bit more uh, like forgiving with that is because everyone in it is so good uh so i uh yeah no i'm but other than that yeah i mean i i i i don't i i why the fuck have we not heard of this movie jay
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know man this is part of what i love about this we get to kind of be forced to expose ourselves to films that for whatever reason uh, we, I mean, granted this film is as old as I am. Uh, (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like, there's so many films that are released that it's impossible to keep track of everything, which is part of one of the exciting things I think about getting older, Uh, not to go on a tangent here, but it's like, I don't know. Do it. We love tangents. Looking back more on films from a specific era, and finding them and being drawn to them just because of who's attached, but then having even more appreciation for them uh, outside of just the fact that it was like, oh, this person I like, isn't it? Because again, like I said, I picked this because Kurt Russell was on the cover. I've never seen it. He was not my favorite part of this movie, but I'm glad that that sort of drew me into this movie. Uh, and also I'm thankful for Tubi, which is by far the most underrated streaming service in my opinion, because they just have this, this breadth of genre films or just films in general that You know, they have secured the rights for and, you know, in this case, unless you had a DVD copy of Unlawful Entry, you couldn't buy this movie until recently or until in the future this year because it's going to be released on Blu-ray for the first time, which
0: shout out to Shout
1: Factory. Except the only issue with that is, is that they're limiting it to like 1500 copies, I think, Ah, for whatever reason, which is fucking (laughs) stupid and shitty. That's how it always goes. I know it It sucks. Because this is one of those movies that I would definitely buy. But at the same time, I'm not going to buy into this like, oh, you have to wake up at this time. Like with, um. I don't know if you know the company Mondo, but they did all. Oh, this, like, really, oh no. Oh,
0: yeah. I, have we not talked about Mondo in like the poster experience there. I don't think so. Oh, geez. I've had I I was one of those people for a couple movies. I was one of those early morning. I'm going to fucking get this poster guy that didn't get the poster.
1: Dude, the fucking scalpers are unbelievable.
0: Scalpers, I mean, and then the people, I mean, people have like those bots set up so that they can just instantly order for them and then they go on. Yeah. I, I can't stand that shit. And, and I, I'm sure even with like something like this, even though it's not like some widely known film, it'll sell out quicker than people think, you know, I mean, uh, just, I mean, (laughs) a giant Kurt Russell or Ray Liotta fan base alone that see it and are like, Oh, that's cool. Because there's so many people that still enjoy physical media, I I can't I I mean I'm sure yeah you can, they can argue it's a living but I can't stand scalpers I think that they're awful
1: the fucking worst <laughs> you know my this is a, a random aside my dad is a um, is a like antique dealer so he like goes into estate sales and stuff and buys up shit when people are cleaning out their relatives' houses he found yeah. a mondo poster for uh, Rear Window that was just like Ooh. rolled up in the back of somebody's house. And I think they were like, yeah, you know, I'll throw it in with some other shit. And he got it like with a box of stuff for like 50 bucks. And I think that's like one of their super expensive ones now. Cause obviously it's in limited uh, print, but that was Holy just like shit. one of those rare uh, things where it was just like, yeah, man missed it online. But apparently my dad's able to find shit like that in the back of random yeah. houses. That's amazing <laughs> though. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my days of,
0: of trying to get Mondo posters are kind of over. I think there are as a quick shout out since we're on a bunch of shout outs. Uh, <laughs> there's a company called bottleneck gallery that does some really cool posters and uh, collectibles and stuff. And they've been actually vigilant and kind of pay attention to scalpers. Oh, nice. So they'll straight up. If they see, if they can catch it, they cancel those orders.
1: Oh, great. Uh,
0: so, Mondo, I think they just want their money, which is fine, I guess. You know, it sucks for the fans, but whatever. Um, So it was nice. I I found that nice and worth shouting out (laughs) to Bottleneck Gallery, because I do think giving a little bit of a fuck you to those that just want to make a buck while other people just are like, oh, I love that movie. I'd love that art. And they can't. And then now they have to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars more to get it if they want it, which I don't advise doing, because... (laughs) Or, you know, if everyone stopped buying them, eventually, they,
1: you know, they got, you got to sell them at some point. Well, I'll say my uh, my last thing before I get back to the movie. There is a fantastic artist uh, named Matt Pepl- Pepler, um, who does horror posters for films. And they're like fifteen dollars screen prints. And it's some of the most creative and varied alternative posters for basically any major horror film you can think of. I'm going to send you the link and I'll. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes for people that are interested, but um, is that the,
0: is that the one that you sent me? Oh, before? okay. I have some, you, you, you purchased the poster of uh, the
1: mm-hmm. thing, Texas the Chase thing. Yeah. and a bunch of other ones. But yeah, that's, you know, super cheap. I think they're 15 bucks a piece or something like that. And they are, they're 12 by 18. So they're not like these massive posters, but at the same time, um, I love the size of them. Cause I can get a bunch of them and just hang around my house. But anyways, uh, i'll uh, i'll put that in the show notes for anybody that's interested thanks to this mini mini tangent we've had of fantastic <laughs> uh you know that could movie, be honestly
0: i could go on a full episode about posters so
1: we could,
0: but yeah no his art is amazing he has one a couple for like trick-or-treat and some of the evil deads movies yeah. that are awesome
1: well uh, i'm looking at them right now i'm planning on getting the uh the ones that he did for all the universal monsters because these are fucking gorgeous, and have those around the house would be great. But we've got a film we got to finish chatting about, and it yes. is one <laughs> of our favorite uh, times of any episode, which is to get into the what the fuck, which are moments from any film that we've watched that gave us pause and made us go, what the fuck is this about? And, and they're not always negative, to be fair. sometimes This is uh, true. Sometimes, get, sometimes it's entertaining. We get a ton of entertainment out of these. Um, but for me, you know, my first is going to be the fact that Uh, they do a ride along on this film where they let Kurt Russell ride around the back of the cop car to give him a taste of what LA crime life is like. That in and of itself is not very, what the fuck that's like a real thing that cops do with journalists and authors and everything. It's doing it within days or a week of his wife being held at knife point. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to leave my wife home alone at night (laughs) to go ride around with these cops And just, she can just hold down the fort on her own. Like that kind of led into the lack of sympathy, I think, that I found Kurt Russell to have early on. Cause I was like, that is probably the most traumatic thing that could happen. And she even sort of speaks to that when she's having coffee with um, Leota in the bar, right? She's like, oh, I hate dusk. It's my least favorite time because it's getting dark out and uh, Kurt Russell isn't home. And I was like, damn. So you're just like doing ride alongs willy nilly. Like, It would have made more sense almost to bring her with them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Honestly. What about you though? What
1: did you have for, uh, for your first, what the fuck?
0: My first, what the fuck? Uh, I mean, I think it's just a classic just because it's, it, it made me laugh for the length of time. It was Ray Liotta silently coming into the house with the false alarm while they're banging Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) because he,
0: it's shot in a way that's so, funny and also like how do they not notice it out the gate because he comes in with a flashlight. I thought it was a dream sequence <laughs> yeah i did too at first because he like comes in the room he's got a flashlight and a gun and he stops and then he shuts the flashlight off without saying anything and lowering down so he could watch for a second <laughs> and then they notice him and then he walks out the door as if like oh i was just checking sorry yeah he's very um, matter of fact yeah and uh It's just really funny because it's like almost like Top Gun in this like very sensual like, oh, they got the moonlight grazing them while they're boning. And then in comes Ray Liotta with his fucking flashlight and gun at the ready. And you're just like, (laughs) oh. And like also, this is also with they don't hear anyone come in the house. So (laughs) it's like it's just really sudden. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I had the same thing. I was like, oh, maybe they're maybe one of them's dreaming. Uh, And it's like, oh, no, no, he just is like Batman in terms of silently infiltrating homes.
1: Yeah. And I thought that the way that he wasn't able to sell that at all um, because of the fact that, you know, (laughs) they called and they canceled the the alarm and he still showed up. So I was like, that would have definitely been uh, something that they could have nailed him on. Like, why did you respond when it was canceled? That type of thing. But, yeah, that was one of those sequences where I thought that it was like a dream sequence, which. I actually probably would have preferred, you know, if it is this sort of like that is showing that his in sort of embedding himself in their life and making them more and more uncomfortable to the degree that, OK, this is a major fucking red flag to the degree that, you know, they're having nightmares about him breaking in and killing them or something like that or killing, you know, um, killing Michael.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. It, I mean, I got to laugh, so it's not oh, like yeah. I, I wasn't entertained by it. Sure. I always will give passes to dumb things if I find them funny, Mm -hmm. but uh, it did stand out a bit. (laughs) Like it did make me go like, how the fuck did this even like happen? And they just like treat it like a, Hey
1: man, what the fuck?
0: And that's kind of it.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh,
0: But yeah, uh, how about you? Do you have another one?
1: Yeah. My other one is going to be the crime scene where, you know, he stages that, you know, they chase down that drug dealer. They go back to his apartment and then he makes it look like the drug dealer killed his partner, but his partner was able to get a shot off to kill the drug dealer. Right. The layout of that does not make any sense at all that he would be able to sell that. like No, because it's like shot in the fucking kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's basically the murder scene is an L and his partner's in the kitchen, which is around the corner with a gunshot in his chest. And then the drug dealer is back down the hallway at the front door and he got shot in the back. So I was like, what? sent like what he shot the guy in the back and then he was able to run down the hallway and then bled out. Like it, it just, that part didn't make any sense. Un, and I was like, un, you could have done that a little better.
0: Unless we're playing by wanted rules.
1: There you go. You I, know, did not, maybe, I did not. I did not consider that. <laughs> maybe the
0: director was like, you know, this, you know, you know, those movies that don't exist yet with the bullets that curve. Sure. We should do that. Right. Uh But, where was yeah. Mark
1: Miller in 92? My God. Seriously. Come
0: on. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, other than that, I have one more, which to me was, I, I don't know how you felt. Do you have any more what the fucks?
1: Um, I just had one that was like a minor gripe. Um, the scene oh, when why? his credit card gets declined. Waiters, oh. <laughs> waiters that make a scene out of telling somebody in front of a party <laughs> that their card's been declined. They should go straight to hell. I swear to God,
0: dude. <laughs> agreed 100% agreed instead of just being like hey want another card it's like no
1: right or like beckoning them over which that happened to me one time I was on a date and uh my and I gave the person my card and then I'm talking to this girl and I look over in the corner and the person's waving at me and so I go oh give me one one second I went over and they're like your card's been declined which was a huge solid and it ended up just being that you know when they send you a new card and you're supposed to you know get rid of the old one obviously oh right i used the old one still because i'd forgotten to shred it or whatever which was like not a big deal but i was so fucking thankful that they didn't come over and say that because even if the day and the day had been going well like if that happens in front of you like i don't know i don't know if i'm cool enough to play that off in a casual way i had another card but just like (laughs) having that thought in her head be like oh this fucking deadbeat you can't afford uh like a hundred dollar dinner like what's going on here
0: Yeah, I mean, especially because they already established that, like, clearly they kind of hang with, like, the rich. Yeah. So it's just, like, that much more of a, like, oh, wow, you really, you know, you could have even at the very least, like, whispered something. Right.
1: (laughs) Or not make a scene in front of all these people.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mine actually does kind of go with the finances of him in this movie, which I found just super egregious. (laughs) Which, I don't know, it, it, it was such a passing comment. Uh, But my last what the fuck for unlawful entry Uh, that so after he gets arrested and he goes to jail Mm -hmm. um, and like they're uh, trying to and he's been given, you know, the, the high bail and all of that, his buddy who's trying to help him get out is like, hey, like, I mean, can you can you manage this? And he's like, what do you got? And he's like, I got (laughs) $2,200. And I'm like sitting there and thinking, this guy has got a fucking mansion,
1: basically. It's a beautiful
0: fucking house in LA. He's clearly in a decent neighborhood. They make that comment multiple times. And they put in this super expensive security system. Which they don't say anything about, like they're they're like not gonna pay for it at any point. It's not like Ray Liotta ever was like, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll cover it." He's just like, "Yeah, we'll set it up for you." Um, and the excuse for why he doesn't have the money was that he put all of it into this party he threw to impress these his partners. Yeah, and I was sitting there like. This is the dumbest fucking decision I have ever heard in my life financially. <laughs> like, you you won't last a month.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? It's actually the type of person you would not want to go into business with spending how God knows how many tens of thousands of dollars for a party. Like, oh yeah, a I'm going to make that back when this place is profitable. That place won't be profitable probably for like three to five years.
0: There's that he can't even. There's not even. There's no question he can even. He couldn't even pay his his house bills for the month. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was <laughs> like sitting there. I'm like, system.
0: or that security. I was so I was just sitting there like, why was that line included? And I know <laughs> most people probably aren't paying attention, but when you start like piling up like the everything, yeah, you're just like, that makes like an, Kurt unless it's just supposed to be Kurt Russell's character's a fucking idiot with finances, right? Which is fine. But I I had to stop and rewind it because I thought maybe I misheard it. Yeah, uh, and I was like, oh no, he like was like, yeah, he's like, I, yeah, I took like all my money for this party, and you're like, just like, why would you do that? <laughs> it, <laughs> this
1: is so dumb. This is so dumb. Yeah, it really <laughs> like, does not make any sense. And no further, establishes like, oh well, maybe that business partner should have reservations about going into business with somebody with that fucking poor money management skills.
0: Holy shit, seriously. Um, and it didn't, just, it, and, and once again, this was a what the fuck where I did not, I do not, I don't make it as like a, a slide against the movie or anything. I just thought it was hysterical. Yeah. Because it, it, it's just like passing dialogue where that would, you'd even pick that up. But it's just, when you think about it, so fucking funny. But yeah, that was my last what the fuck for Unlawful Entry.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that. I'm, I'm all out of them. Because again, this, this was one of those films where it was like, I barely have anything bad to say about it, and the what-the-fucks are more just, like... Entertaining. Little, yeah, little entertaining things that kind of, like, don't really derail our overall experience with it. They're just kind of these little things where it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this maybe fell through the cracks here or there, but when you're talking about a movie that is as strong front-to-back as this is, it's not the end of the world, or that no, big a deal, for that matter. N-
0: not at all. I mean, so I guess when it comes down to it, Jay, how many bottles of those beers are you giving it?
1: Oh, this, you know, this is a five five out of six cold ones for me. I loved this um, movie and it's definitely one that's like in my rotation of not only Kurt Russell films, but, you know, it makes me want to seek out a little bit more of uh, Ray Liotta's sort of filmography that has eluded me because, you know, I was just reading a quote from Ray Liotta where he talks about like, oh, you should strive to do as many different genres as you can in film to kind of get to flex your muscles and do things differently than you did in the previously and just you know getting to work with as many different people as possible so if a film like this had kind of gone by and i was completely unaware of it it makes me want to kind of dig into his filmography a little bit more and who knows maybe i'll use the show as an excuse to do that um but you know hey i'm always down for some really Leota films you yeah. never know something uh, not gangster oriented but uh how many cold <laughs> ones you given this one
0: you know, honestly, it's like one of those ones. Like, I I think I'd give it a five as well. Like I I, I mean, like, what keeps it from being out there is like, it's not like, you know, like something where I'd be like, oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time or anything. Right. But I I thought it was great. And I, I'll, I will watch it again. Like I actually yeah. like if 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 the Shout Factory thing is not scalpers related, I would totally buy it. Oh, yeah. So if so if it's like when it releases, because I know sometimes some sites like Amazon or Walmart. Get shout factory releases like if it was available i'd buy it without a question uh so and i think for anybody who is a fan especially of ray leota um i think it's just a cool little movie to check out especially if you're like us and have never heard of the thing i i've literally this uh, jay when he when he sent me the poster for he's like this is my my pick i was just like oh I was like, I, I looked at the guy, I was like, Ray Liotta and Kurt Russell. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? I thought it was just going to be kind of like a no-name action movie, which is sometimes end up being amazing. You know, sometimes there's movies out there with, like, no-name stars and stuff, and you watch them, and you're like, fuck, if this had, like, Schwarzenegger or something in it, this would be a classic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would encourage anybody who's, whether it's, like, you're just into some, like, tight-knit thrillers or just want to, you know, watch some solid cop brutality (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't, know I know it's just it's a it's a really solid little movie and uh, I think every I I don't think anyone would regret watching it unless you if you if you hate thrillers and Ray Liotta and Kurt Russell then I'd say probably don't watch it
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) to, to
0: those of you out there
1: I said in the beginning of the episode where I was like you know, this is what I like about us picking random movies that we've always wanted to watch or we stumble upon this type of thing. Cause it's like, I don't know. I feel like if people aren't talking about these movies or aren't watching these movies and discussing them and whatnot, it's kind of like, who's really going to continue talking about them to the degree that they end up getting these Blu-ray releases. And that's not to say like, we have an incredible amount of power to make that happen or any power at all for that matter. But I just mean in general, like The more that people are talking, going back and looking at older films from different eras and whatnot and talking about them and finding the merit in them, conversations online begin to sort of permeate, whether it's podcasts or Twitter or forums and these things. And um, I don't know, I think more often than not, you know, we're going to be finding these kinds of gems. Granted, I'm sure we're going to find plenty of films that it's like, yeah, there's a reason nobody fucking talks about that. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that that's something that's exciting in a time when. I don't know, I, I'm i not going to make a generalized statement about like the current state of film, but at the same time, it's like, it's nice to go back and just look at the types of films that were making 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and at the same time, finding some films like this, that, you know, were ahead of the times, I think and in some ways, whether it's their commentary or at the same time, you know, whether it's just an unsung gem amongst, you know, a plethora of talent that's involved that, you know, when you've got somebody like Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta, there's, it's pretty obvious why this film wasn't talked about because of, you know, you talk about some of the major films that those people are in movies like unlawful entry get overlooked. That doesn't mean though that, you know, those films such as unlawful entry are not worthwhile in checking out. Um, so that's something that's kind of exciting. I think about us diving into more first time watches, whether it's something we've been meaning to watch or whether it's something such as this, that, you know, just kind of eluded us. Cause uh, yeah, this was a wonderful surprise to stumble upon. Uh, drunk at, you know, midnight on Tubi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm I'm happy you did so.
1: <laughs> Sometimes those uh, that's how I find my favorite films or my favorite shows is just randomly stumbling upon them. But uh, yeah, no, that's going to do it for our chat on Unlawful Entry, a film that uh, everybody should definitely check out and whatnot. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what we're able to dig up uh, next week to chat about.
0: Sounds like a plan to me, sir.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Genre Haze. If you enjoyed our back-and-forth bullshitting, please head over to your preferred podcast platform to rate and review the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Genre Hayes Pod for updates about which films we'll be covering in the future. And as always, don't fear the depth of genre filmmaking.